Hi friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. This week we are launching a new series called The Bethlehem Effect. This series is going to take us through the month of December, right to the time when we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Joining us this first week is the Reverend Dr. Ed Glover of the Urban Impact Foundation. He joins us just after an amazing weekend of the annual performance of Light the Night. Here is Pastor Ed with the first message in our series. Thank you for listening. Well, today is the beginning of our new Christmas series, and the Christmas series is called The Bethlehem Effect. What's that mean? It means for the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at Jesus Christ being born in the town of Bethlehem and how that impacts us and impacts the world that is around us. You know, if you were here Friday night or Saturday night, you know as we lifted up the birth of Christ and we celebrated that, I mean hundreds of people came to know Jesus Christ. Hundreds of people. Praise God. They tell me that we had well over 2,500 people in in these rooms, and it was amazing to see how God worked. And probably around over 250 of those people responded. I also had people coming and talking to me about not just responding to the gospel, but people were repenting. People were actually recommitting themselves to Jesus Christ. I am so excited, so thankful for the partnership that we have in the gospel between Christ Church and Urban Impact Foundation. We didn't just make an urban impact. We made a citywide impact this past weekend together. And I'm looking for, yes, God to God be the glory, to God be praised. And it was exciting, but I'm looking forward to what God is going to do in the future and how he's going to use us to make a difference. Matter of fact, I'm going to say this. I'm going to give a little vision today. If you would like to, if you're a business or you have a foundation or, any, or anything like that, and you'd like to be a sponsor next year at Light the Night, this is what I learned. I learned doing Man Up at Pittsburgh that I got sponsors. And what happens is that we can turn 2,500 into 3,000 or 4,000 people. We could see four to 500 people coming to know Christ. But what has to happen is people have to get behind that, sponsor that, so that we can grow that ministry. If you'd like to be a sponsor, you'd like to be part of that, just give me a call. Give me an email, and we can make that happen. What happens is that your business... Christ Church and Urban Impact Foundation get known so that Jesus gets known. And what happens is when all the water goes up, all the boats go up with it, and everybody gets blessed. If you'd like to be part of building the kingdom of God, just give me a call, give me an email, and we'll make that happen. Well, our passage this morning is found in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. And the title of our sermon is called, The Effect Leading to Belief. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you and praise you for who you are and what you did this past weekend. And I'm believing you're going to do great things in this service right here. And Lord, I would just ask that you would forgive me and cleanse me of any sin and that you would fill me with your spirit, that you would speak through me to your people. And we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but we would be doers of it. And you wouldn't just stir us, but that you would change us. For Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen. For us as Christians, Christmas is about the birth of Jesus Christ. However, as Christians, we don't celebrate Christmas just because Jesus was born. We celebrate Christmas because of how Jesus was born. We celebrate Christmas because of the miraculous birth of Jesus Christ. The miracle is that Jesus was born of a virgin. Of a virgin. 
Look what it says in our passage in verse 34. It says, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So as Christians, we don't just celebrate the Christmas because of the birth of Christ. We celebrate because of the miraculous virgin birth of Jesus Christ. You know, matter of fact, the virgin birth is actually an essential belief of the Christian faith. That's why in the Apostles' Creed, we say this. And I'm going to ask those of you who can, you can stand with me. We're going to read this together. Would you stand, please? Starting with me, it says this. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. You can be seated. That statement right there is found in our passage. It's a core belief of our faith that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. Now, because it's Christmas and because of the fact that that I just said that this is essential for our Christian faith, I want to look at what the birth of Christ, in other words, the virgin birth, teaches us, what it teaches us, and why it's so important to our faith. Let's look, first of all, at what the virgin birth teaches us. It teaches us three things. First, the Bible declares Mary as a virgin. Number two, the Bible declares that Jesus came from God, not man. Number three, the Bible teaches that Jesus is not only a man, but God. That's what the virgin birth teaches us, those three, those three things. First of all, let's look, at, let's look at Jesus through the eyes of Mary, who was a virgin. Mary being a virgin. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 through 23, again, understanding what the virgin birth tells us, that Mary was a virgin, confirmed by the prophet Isaiah. In Matthew 1, verse 22, read it with me, if you will. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Verse 23. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Then we go back to our passage. Dr. Luke tells us three different times that Mary was a virgin. Now I remind you, this is Dr. Luke. Luke is a doctor, and he's telling us this Mary who's pregnant is a virgin. That's interesting. This is a doctor saying this. In verse 26, it says, In the sixth month, Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Verse 27, To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Then again in verse 34, it says, How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? So we find in the Old Testament and New Testament, the Bible declaring that Mary is a virgin. Not sinless, not a deity, but pure, a virgin. And that's significant. I'll talk to you about that in a few minutes. The second thing that we learn about the virgin birth is that Jesus came from God, 
not man. Came from God, not man. In our passage, Gabriel's going to Mary, and and he's saying to Mary, listen, you're going to have a child. And she looks at him and says, how can this be? I'm a virgin. Then he tells her how it's going to happen. In verse 35, again, it says, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Notice it doesn't say the Son of Man. It says the Son of God. What our passage is saying here is that Jesus came into the world not through the seed of man. No, he was not the offspring of Adam. No, he came from the Holy Spirit. He was born of God. That is very significant. In other words, Mary was was going to become pregnant outside the normal process of conception. Her conception was going to be the work of the Holy Spirit. Her conception was going to be miraculous. Now, some of you might be sitting out there thinking, you know, it's really tough to believe that, Pastor Ed, that a virgin can have a child. You know, that was tough for Mary to believe. That's why she said, how can this be? I'm a virgin. So Gabriel, telling her that this is going to happen, he encourages her with a personal example, trying to help her understand that God can do the miraculous even in someone's womb. Look what, look what Gabriel says to Mary in verse 36. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old, in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. Notice that this is Mary's relative. She's fully aware of Elizabeth. And what Gabriel's doing here is he's helping her to understand. Just as God did this for Elizabeth... He's going to do this for you. It's going to be a miracle. It's going to be miraculous. And then he ends with verse 37. He says, for nothing is impossible with God. Now, some of us sitting out there might be still thinking, but I just don't know if I really believe that a virgin could have a child, that God could do this. And just like Gabriel gave Mary an example, I want to give you one. Listen to this. In July 1978, a little girl named Louise Brown was born in England at 5 pounds, 12 ounces. What made her birth extraordinary was that she was the first child ever born who was conceived outside the human body. Little Louise Brown was the first test tube baby. If someone would have said, someday a baby will be conceived outside of a woman's body, say 200 years ago, 100 years ago, 80 years ago, people would have said, that's impossible, that can't happen. You're crazy. But we know in our lifetime, that happened. Matter of fact, if, if Louise would have been able to go back 200 years ago, 100 years ago, and say that she was born outside of a woman's body, they probably would have burned her or stoned her to death. So, if man in science can give birth outside of a woman's body. Can we believe that God can bring birth to a virgin inside her body? Absolutely. Without question, God can do that. And that's what he was saying to Mary. Mary, listen, everything, anything is possible because of God. The third thing that we learn here from the Bible is this, that Jesus is not only a man, but God. The Bible teaches us that God is three persons in one. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And what happened when Jesus was born, God the Son, the second person in the Trinity, 
took on the robe of humanity. He took on flesh. And he was born not of man, but was born of God. Look what Paul tells us in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. And I want you to read this with me. Starting with verse 6, it says this. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. In verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, he being in the very nature God. What he's saying there is Jesus was totally God. And then in verse 7 it says, being made in human likeness. Jesus was totally man. He was totally God, totally man. He was the God-man. And then we find in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, Jesus saying this about himself. In John chapter 8, verse 58, it says, I tell you the truth. Jesus answered, before Abraham was, I am. The word I am right there is literally talking about the great I am. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. The I am of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus was saying, I am. He's saying, I am God. And then it says, over in John chapter 10, verse 30, he said this about himself. I and the Father are one. And then in verse uh, 9 of chapter 14 of John, it says, if you've seen me, You've seen the Father. And I can go on and on throughout the scriptures where Jesus is declaring that he's God. Matter of fact, why did they crucify the Lord Jesus Christ? Because he claimed to be God. That's why they crucified him. So we find in the scriptures here and what we learn about the birth of Christ and the virgin birth of Christ and why it's so important. What it teaches us this morning is three things. Let's go over those again. Read these with me, will you? Number one, Mary was a virgin. Two, Jesus came from God, not man. Three, Jesus was not a man, but God. Which leads us to my last question. The question is this. Why is the virgin birth so important to our faith? If I had to call you out right now, why is the virgin birth so important to our faith? Why? Because it's absolutely necessary for our salvation. Absolutely necessary. Why do I say that? Well, let me quote for you John MacArthur, what he had to say about this. It's a great quote. In fact, no other detail in the Christmas story is more important than the virgin birth. The virgin birth must have happened exactly the way Scripture says. Otherwise, Christmas has no point at all. If Jesus is simply the illegitimate child of Mary's infidelity or even if he is the child of Joseph's natural marital union with Mary, he's not God. If he's not God, his claims are lies. If his claims are lies, his salvation is a hoax. If his salvation is a hoax, we're all doomed. But thank God we're not doomed because Jesus Christ was not born of man. He was born of God. And that was absolutely significant. Again, I bring us back to verse 35. This is what it says. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And that's the good news. The good news is that Jesus was not born of man, but born of God. And why is that so important? Because that means that Jesus was born sinless, without sin. You and I, we're born of Adam. We're the offspring of Adam. We're born in sin. But Jesus wasn't born of man. He was born of God to a virgin. So he was sinless. And it was so important that he be sinless because he had to be a perfect sacrifice on the cross for our sin or we're lost. If he's not perfect, we're all lost. So Jesus came in this way so that he could be perfect. And we know the rest of that story. Matter of fact, let me read this for you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, 21, it says this. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And we know the rest of the story. Jesus was not only born sinless, but he lived a perfect life, sinless life. He went to a cross and died for our sin, the perfect sacrifice. Then he was raised again from the dead, and because he walked out of the grave, he alone has all the power and the authority to forgive us of our sins and to give to us eternal life. Why? Because he was the perfect sacrifice for us. In throughout the scriptures, it tells us over and over again about this great truth and how significant it is. And how the virgin birth was absolutely essential for our salvation. And because Jesus Christ was faithful and he went to the cross and he was raised again from the dead, this is what the Bible says to all of us. And this is the good news of Christmas. In John chapter 20, verse 31, it says, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And then the famous verse, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Romans 10, 9 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How can that happen? Because Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. He went to a cross on your behalf. On your behalf, he paid your debt in full, and then God the Father raised him from the dead. He walked out of that grave, and he lives. We're not talking about a dead religion. We're talking about a living Christ, who the Bible very clearly tells us loves you. Loves you so much that he's here this morning, right here, right now, in case one of you doesn't know this great truth. And for those of us who know him, he's here today to encourage you to know that your absolutely secure in where you're headed when you die, that heaven will be your home. He made that permanent because he was perfect. But I want to talk to someone in this room that might be here tonight, today and not clearly understand or really know for certain that you know Jesus and that your sins are forgiven and that heaven is your home. Throughout these scriptures, it constantly said what? It said, those who what? Believe. For God so loved you that he gave his only son to whoever believes. Now, Christians, for a moment, those of you who are in the room, and you're thinking, oh, my word, we're going to hear again about the salvation message. You know why that's so deadening to you? And I'm being real. 
Because you didn't bring anybody in this room today that doesn't know Jesus. This is Christmas, folks. This is the greatest time in the world to bring people into the church so they can hear the message that you and I take for granted so often. We just presented the gospel to over 2,000 people and over 250 of them responded to Jesus Christ. I want to say to you as a church, all of you that went out and got those people, thank God. Because this Christmas, they met the real reason for the whole season. And they know Jesus Christ like you and I know Jesus. And they're born again. Their sins are forgiven. They're guaranteed that heaven is their home. But there might be one of you in this room. And I'm talking to you. You might be that one that has never asked Jesus. How do you know? How can I know Jesus? How can I actually know him and know that my sins are forgiven? I've been saying it all weekend. You need to believe. And believe is as simple as A, B, C. A means that you admit that you've sinned and you need a savior. That you broke the laws of God. That you're not perfect. And that you need a savior. And if you're willing to admit that, you'll be on your way to having a relationship with Jesus. Second, you need to believe. You need to believe what Jesus Christ did on the cross, he did for you. And what he did on that cross is enough for you. You don't have to try. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be any better. You just need to acknowledge, I've blown it, and I need a Savior. And then trust what Jesus did on that cross. He did it for you, and it was enough for you. When I was young, my father used to take me out, and I'll never forget this time we were in a pool, and he was trying to help me to float on my back. And I kept going down to the bottom of the pool. And finally, my father, very frustrated, took the water in his hands, threw it up like this in the air and said, Ed, water just like this holds up Navy ships. Navy ships. Stop trying and just trust the water. Don't you try anymore. Just transfer your trust to the water and let the water do what it can do for you. That made sense to me. So what did I do? I put my full weight on the water, stopped trying and started trusting, and I floated. You know what happens? When you finally stop trying to be good enough for God and you start transferring your trust from yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for you, you put your full weight on what Christ did on the cross and understand that he did that for you and what he did on that cross is enough for you. From that moment right there, you truly trust Jesus. But that's, that's only the second thing. The third thing that you need to do is admit, believe, and then see, commit. Commit, what do I mean? See, Jesus Christ walked out of the grave. He's alive. He's here. In many of us, he dwells within you. If you wonder, you say, I can't see Jesus, Pastor Ed. Where is he? Well, you can't see the oxygen in the room either, but it's here. You can't see the technology waves going through this room, but all you got to do is get a call on your cell phone. You know they're here. That one or two people that I'm talking to right now, as I'm speaking, it's like God speaking directly to you right here. It's not me, it's him. And he's saying, I love you, and I'm committed totally to you. But you've got to commit to me. In any kind of a relationship, you've got to have a commitment. It's not a one-sided story. You've got to have a commitment in both ways. What it's all about is this. It's about committing yourself. When I got married, I stood before people, and my wife and I were standing there, and she was willing to commit herself to me. 
But in order for me to commit to her, I had to say no to everybody else. And I had to verbally commit myself in front of everybody. Not privately, not alone, but before all people, I had to say, I want to marry you, Tammy. I want to be your husband. I want you to be my wife. That was a commitment that I made. And once I made that commitment, we had a relationship. If you don't make that commitment to Jesus Christ, he can stand here. He can be here every week asking you to be his, be your Savior and Lord. But if you walk out those doors and you never commit yourself to him, you don't know him. So today, I want to give you that opportunity to be able to call upon Jesus and know for certain that you have eternal life. If you'd like to pray that prayer with me, would you just bow your heads with me and let's pray together? That one or two of you that are out there, just pray this prayer. This prayer doesn't save you. Jesus Christ does. And this is what you pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you sent Jesus to a cross for me. And I believe today that what he did on that cross is enough for me. And what he did on that cross was for me. And I admit that I've sinned against you. I've broken your laws. And I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you now to be my Savior. And I commit my life to you. Right now, I ask you to fill me with your spirit and that I would begin a brand new relationship with you. For Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. With everyone's heads bowed, if you prayed that prayer, just one more time. Simply just raise your hand up. I'd love to know that you came to know Christ so that I can help you. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Sir, though, you got your hand raised. Here's what we have for you. If you'll go out into the information booth, we have some, a packet there for you that we'd love to give to you so that you can begin your relationship with the Lord. Make sure you do that at the end of the service or come up and see me. Everyone else, let's look up here. It's Christmas. This is a wonderful time of the year. Let's remember what the virgin birth tells us, that our salvation is secure because he was sinless. He was perfect. And that means that we're forgiven. Amen? As you come to communion today, let's celebrate the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. He's alive. He's here today. God bless you.